When I was 12 years old, I had two injuries in the space of six months. So I had a head injury from a piece of rock uh, hitting and cracking my skull, the strongest level of epilepsy. Wow. Then I had a bicycle accident where the surgeon said that I could have relations, but I could never have children. So I felt like a monster. And I had this sentence over my life that I would never be right in my head, I would be never be right in my groin, get over it. Stan, can you share your full name with us and what you do for a living? Stanley George DeVries. I'm an electrical engineer, and I happen to be a consultant on how teams can safely interact with industrial software in the world's largest power generation, oil and gas, chemical facilities, and so on. How long have you been walking with Jesus? 47 years. Do you have a religious background? Does your family have a religious background? Yes. Uh, since I was little, my parents have been part of a Protestant denomination. When did you officially come to Jesus? When I was 20 years old, which was back in 1974. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit of that story and, and how that came about? I had experienced the bad side of denomination strife, propelling what I saw my father trying to go through Bible college, funded by the denomination, the money ran out, my mother had a full-blown nervous breakdown where I had to live for a year with the relatives who were against this leaving the denomination. So for me, when I was four years old, church was bad. I didn't have church until I returned at 27 years old. So a 23-year period, my image of being part of the body was wrong. And I did not enter a church building, a tent, or watch a television show or a computer show or whatever to encounter Jesus Christ. So my perception of being in a Christian or church environment was not, the, let's shall we say, the more typical of someone who is willing to step inside a church building or into a tent or however they might encounter Jesus Christ and the gospel. Hmm. What was your perspective of Jesus at that time? He was a distant judge. And what that meant for me was suck it up, do the best you can. Hopefully you won't make him too angry. You're under his grace. I knew that part. But the fact that Jesus Christ is infinitely more than just being a judge and just being not where I was walking, that was my perception, that Jesus is not here, he's there, uh, that was where my understanding was at. And he lovingly, powerfully changed that perception. Yeah. So you said at 20 years of age, you came to Jesus. And, and I want you to share about that testimo testimony specifically. But before we get there, um, what were some of your experiences before Jesus, your life before Christ? Could you give us a little bit more insight? Yes. So growing up, uh, my uh, parents were recovering from the atrocities that they had experienced during World War II as teenagers, the poverty. Uh, occasionally, we received groceries through Salvation Army, we were poor, etc. My attempt to go through college, which cost money, where I paid my way through, 
but I was carrying the risk that I had no previous track record of uh, being responsible for myself financially or otherwise. So uh, as my father put it, out of his fear that I would be failing at this and coming home and adding further debt to the family, and he flat out said in his fear that uh, as the oldest, when I failed, I would make it impossible for my younger brothers and sisters to go through college. By the way, we've, we have reconciled. My father and I became friends as well as father and son through the grace of Jesus Christ later. Yeah. But it was part of that whole tough it out, get past all the no's in your life. Also, I had no concept that Jesus Christ was a healer. When I was 12 years old, I had two injuries in the space of six months. So I had a head injury from a piece of rock uh, hitting and cracking my skull, the strongest level of epilepsy. Wow. Then I had a bicycle accident where the surgeon said that I could have relations, but I could never have children. So I felt like a monster. And I had this sentence over my life that I would never be right in my head I would be never be right in my groin, get over it. So I carried that sense of who Jesus Christ was up until I had my personal encounter when I was 20 years old. Yeah, and go ahead and talk about that because it's, it's so interesting. It happened outside of the church. Um, what happened exactly? Yeah, so I went through a program where you go to work for four months, then you go to university for four months. It's called a co-op kind of program. But one of the rules were, if you were fired during your work time, you'd be kicked out of the program. And I almost got fired. And I was living in the basement of a house where the family upstairs was in constant fighting. So I walked out of the house in an anger walk in the suburb where I was living. And I started talking to God, just talking out loud while I was walking on the street. And I said, God, I've tried being good. I've tried being bad, although I'd never done drugs or other major felonies, but I was aware of my sin. I said, nothing's working. And a gentle, powerful voice spoke as if over my shoulder, why not try it my way? And in response to that, I walked more than four miles, as if walking on air. Later in my life, I tried to retrace those steps as best I could. But that was not in a church building or a tent or uh, uh, watching television. Keep in mind that this was 1974, so there were no computers in those days. There was no other more traditional sense to receive the gospel message. But there was a trigger. My roommate had been powerfully saved and he gave me his testimony. And he told me that he used to be gay and you would never, ever have known it when you met him. And there was no threat from him or anything, but the fact that Jesus Christ was not just a different, distant judge, that he's a healer, he's a changer of people, he puts them on their direct path, was a clue for me as in my stumbling effort to at least reach out to him and say, I'm ready to change, to stop whatever I'm doing and take it your way. Wow. Was there anything else from that walk 
that you remember that God's you know that God spoke to you? There was nothing else that I could remember. In fact, the days after, okay, I could check that box as I like to say, but I did not know at that time that my head injury or my groin injury was healed. Wow. I did not know doctrine. I knew something about his presence. But other than that, there was no immediate change. I didn't go to church or anything. And in fact, I didn't start to go until I was prompted by the Holy Spirit seven years later. Hmm. What what changed or what did he reveal to you that made you see that community was important? The only thing that I sensed, it's a good question. The only thing that I sensed was go to that church. And by the way, although I'm quite bold and pioneering, I was trembling when I walked up the few steps into the building and the greeter welcomed me with a smile. And I want to reach out to anyone who serves as a greeter. You are the first encounter. And I've heard horror stories. And I bless anyone who helps out in a greeting capacity, even for a few minutes, because you don't know what it took for that person to walk into the building. Wow. So how did your life develop from there? Now you're going to church, you're you're learning doctrine, you're learning new things about the Lord. How did your life develop from there or your relationship with God? I had a bad encounter at a home Bible study. And my wife-to-be called me up. She was part of the Bible study, and I I had no sense of that at the time. I didn't go to a Bible study to (laughs) find a mate, but she asked me how I was doing. In the midst of the wrongness that had happened in this incident in the home Bible study. And I prayed very specifically to Jesus Christ I never felt like I was an eligible bachelor. I had hardly ever dated. I had felt like a monster, so my self-esteem was low. I've never considered myself to be handsome or charming or anything else. And I prayed for three things, that my wife loved Jesus, that she was an independent woman, and she could put up with my very strange computer-based pipe organ hobby. Now, that's, I think, being pretty specific. A little bit of humor there. And I started dating her in September, October 21. I proposed to her and she accepted. We were married the following year and that was 38 years ago. And I had to tell my wife at the time, we were in our late 20s, I said, by the way, here's what's happened in my life. We can have relations, but we can't have kids. Having children was not on our mind. So can you imagine my reaction when my first child was born. And also, what I didn't tell you was I realized when I had the head injury at 12 years old, I had no concept of healing. But I discovered somehow after I accepted Christ that I was completely healed from that powerful epilepsy. I didn't have to take the medications with all its side effects, all the stigma, You can imagine that in our society, you can have a broken leg or be disabled physically, but to be disabled mentally still carries a stigma, which could have been okay, depending on God's destiny for me. But part of my answer to this good question is that I was starting to encounter deliverance, provision, 
for myself at that stage of my walk. What are some of the other things that, that God did in your life? I mean, you had actually multiple children, right? Three. Yeah. Right? The overabundance that when I'm saying, God, please provide me just this. And out of, out of his pleasure and also his wisdom, he says, I'm going to give you more than that. Part of my journey is I told you about starting in poverty, starting in an environment of fear, trying to break out, not knowing where this was going or anything. And I can tell you that the personal situation in terms of health, financial well-being, etc., is way, way, way beyond my wildest imagination. But, as I will say to everyone, Jesus Christ is not my vending machine. Although I've had these blessings, I've had trials that I could not have imagined either. My miracle-born son has Crohn's disease, and he's had that for the last 14 years. So, although I was encountering the privilege of helping others with physical disabilities, two people who are blind, get healing while I was praying for them, people with uh, broken hips, broken elbows, uh, high blood pressure, on and on and on during that time for my son and for others who are uh, very ill for a long time, not yet. And that used to mess me up, right? Because in God's word, it says, ask whatever you will and I'll grant it to you but it's God's timing. And that idea, I use the traffic signal detour sign where it's not just necessarily stop or slow down, but go backwards, turn left, turn right. God is not my co-pilot. He is my traffic director. He is my leader. And I learn to be content in the seasons when he says, I'm not only going to give you, I'm going to give you beyond you asked, but I am not going to give you in this situation, in this time. And I can, I can proudly say that he has taught me this and he has more to teach me about that. Yeah. Stan, if you, could, if you could just put it in a nutshell, what can you say looking at, back at, at your life uh, that Jesus has done in your life? I would say it's on different levels. Number one, he's changed me. He's removed my shyness, my anxiety, my poverty spirit, feeling like a monster. I know that I'm his son and I'm loved. I know that I can stand with him as a man, as a person of Jesus Christ, not just as a bottle of Jesus Christ, but as a pipe that he can flow through me. That it's not just, oh, you'll do, you're a cracked vessel, but will do. In my brokenness, he has used me and continues to use me. And that is not something that I get just out of listening to a few sermons or reading a few books. You have to experience it and realize it. That, and it's not just a one-shot, oh, yes, long time ago, I had a miracle or something. No, and I'm not a miracle junkie. It happens. Some of the stories I'm telling you are over a span of 47 years. The second layer is that it's not just for me, but it's for them. I have traveled by plane 
almost 3 million miles over a a span of 20 years. And the encounters that I've had, I've traveled to 52 countries where it's either inside an airplane, in an airport, in a city, in an office building, a restaurant, villages, etc. It goes on and on. So this is my second layer, that Jesus Christ is using me when I let him for others and not just for healing, but for salvation. I've been released to preach, released to testify, etc., whether it's a single person or amongst thousands. And I am grateful, but I don't identify myself or measure myself on how many times have I ministered or prayed or whatever. I'm just grateful to be available, but content in the quiet times when I'm not put onto the field, as some people might say. Yeah. For anybody that's watching your testimony, whoever is listening to your testimony right now, Stan, and specifically um, specifically anybody who has had a hard time with or have been told that they won't be able to have children, what, what can you say to those people watching that are going through that or know somebody that is going through that? I would say two things. Number one, don't get angry at God. If others may, but you cannot, it takes time to learn how to be content with that. You don't give up, but but say, okay, God, I accept your red light in that area. Number one, don't let it define you. It's easy to say, but I can say that through my walk and my experience. Number two, don't give up praying for that. I, my testimony is where I have healing that took space a span of years, where I didn't know the impact for decades, where etc., where, where this unanswered prayer of my son for 14 years, etc., put in the time, live on, flourish, live with what the boundaries that you have, but seek. Keep on knocking and asking for the end of that season, and God will delight you. And if you start having children when you're 40 years old, don't compare to someone who has children before they're 20. It's There's no need for that kind of comparison. God has his wisdom for you. What's going on, everybody? If you didn't know, we are raising funds right now to go all over the nation to record and release testimonies in all languages. Now, what we need you to do is pray and ask the Lord how much he wants you to sow into this thing. Revelations 12, 11 says that we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, and we want to go and share the testimony of Jesus. So please pray, sow that seed, and we'll see you soon.